fantastic day with all the usual caveats of course regardless of who you are or where you're at or what you're doing now those caveats of course are important i hope you're uh, enjoying the extra hour of rest you were able to get as we survived halloween and went directly into standard time but you know what i'm not a big fan of the jumping back and forth but i'm okay falling back an hour Perfectly okay getting an extra hour. Gonna need it by tomorrow morning. I am so glad we started doing this on Saturdays instead of doing it on Sundays like we used to. Uh, That jump ahead was always a tough sell first thing on a Monday morning without at least a day to get uh, used to it. Personally, I think uh, we'd be better off doing it on a uh, Friday uh, evening <laughs> myself, a little extra time, you know, uh, late enough that for most of us it's not going to matter except for all those first responders out there having to do their jobs. But regardless, we've got all that going in, and we are certainly in the home stretch for the election, and as a result, I am bringing Mr. Ken Crow on board with us. In fact, I'll be giving him a phone call here in just a few brief moments. And uh, we'll be talking about all things political. I'd like to remind everybody that just because uh, just because somebody says something you may not agree with doesn't mean that they like it. Doesn't mean that uh, they tell you what they think's coming down the pike. It doesn't mean they're happy about it. Okay, they're just trying to give a fair warning. 
as am I giving to you. Okay, so clearly here we are, ladies and gentlemen. It is the first day of November. Tuesday is the big day. Tuesday upcoming. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think we should wait anymore. I'm going to go ahead and give a call right here via Skype, uh, bringing Ken on directly. So you guys just hang on. And uh, as we get connected up, I always love doing this live. And we are. Hello. Hello, sir. Mr. Ken Crow, welcome to Tap into the Truth. How are you? I'm doing quite well today. Thank you, sir. Uh, the real question is, uh, how are you doing as we uh, are clearly moving <laughs> into those final stages of the election day? Uh, are you watching the uh, nonstop marathon that is Donald Trump going from one spot to another for these last-minute rallies? You know, I have been, and it has been a ball watching him. Poor guy. He was up in Michigan this morning. It was 10 degrees, blowing blowing snow it was cold i mean brutal chill factors probably zero or below and yeah. you wouldn't have thought i mean there were i don't know how many people were there probably ten thousand people it was a rather small venue that you know he couldn't get as many into as they'd like to but because uh, it was a suburb is a far north suburb of detroit i've been up there before so i was familiar with it and uh it's macomb county and Anyway, it was packed with Michiganders, and they were screaming their little heads off and freezing their butts off and loving every minute of it. Yeah. Yeah, I watched the same one. I know he's got uh, four more scheduled today. I think he's probably into one uh, right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, yes, you know, it, it was uh, – I was sitting here. I was doing the uh, the maintenance on my computer systems, doing the last-minute stuff, and I was watching that. And one of the things that really stood out to me is that if you cared enough to pay attention to how Donald Trump communicates, he kept talking about how cold it was. And the way he was doing it, I'm sure a lot of people on the left are going to be like, oh, did you see him whining? No. If you understand Donald Trump, that was his way of acknowledging what a big freaking deal it was for that many people to have showed up on such a freaking cold morning, and uh, it was uh, it was great. Uh, it was a, a oh, I'm telling you, the wind right now. He's in Dubuque, Iowa. He's here in Iowa. He's probably two hours from me, and the yeah. wind is blowing, and it is cold. I mean, temperatures are mid 30s, and and the chill factor is way down in the low 20s. And I mean, and there, there's Dubuque's packed. You, you couldn't get in. I mean, it, it's packed. It was packed here the other day in Detroit and or uh, in Des Moines. And uh, it, it's amazing. I've never seen this level. I'm an old guy, Tim. You know that. I've never seen this level of excitement, not even for Ronald Reagan. I mean, they loved Reagan. They would turn out, but nothing like this. I mean, this is insanity. This is blowing 16 out of the water. Yeah, I I agree. Now, before we go any further in, since I just kind of called you up live and brought you on, I do want to make sure that people, just in case somebody's not familiar with you, they need to know who you are. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Ken Crow. He is a political activist. He is a campaign expert. He is an unapologetic conservative, and uh, according to some – 
a right-wing radical. He's a commentator. He's an author. He's the managing editor as well as the purveyor of the conservative daily briefing, and that's just a little bit of who Ken Crow is. He's spent time on the ground with multiple candidates this campaign cycle and in previous, so the man does not speak from thin air. He's not your typical pundit. He's a man who knows full well and has experience on the ground to be able to read the tea leaves even when others uh, the uh, professional pundit class likes to step back and pretend like they know what they're doing ken has a really good fundamental understanding of how things are played and so with all that having been said uh, i do want to kind of get back into that level of excitement because a lot of people are banking a lot on ex that excitement level on the number of people showing up at these rallies and then we turn around and we see the in-person attempts on the democratic side how much can you really read into that, though, when you keep in mind that the Democrats are the folks that are way more likely to still be scared to death of COVID and think they should be staying home and that they should be doing this virtually? Is, it, is this year, because of COVID, uh, very difficult to gauge the true level of enthusiasm, or is this still genuine enthusiasm support uh, as the recent polls from yesterday and today might uh, insinuate that Trump is really picking up steam at this point? Well, I'm going to tell you, that's a $64 question, Tim, but you're going to have to give me one minute here to stop blushing after that. That Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Nobody say anything, nice things about me in a long time. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but listen, it, it, it's uh, the one thing that is – we'll start off with what's troubling, okay? One thing that is troubling to me is that we've already had over 80 million ballots mailed in. Last time around, to, uh, let's see, going into the election day, they had had 57 million mailed in, and we had 80 million mailed in a couple of days ago. I haven't seen the numbers today, but I would have to believe that by tomorrow morning, it's going to be well over 90 and possibly 100 million ballots mailed in. Keeping in mind that we had a hundred and what was it, uh, 35, 40 million vote in the last election, and you got close to a hundred million mail in ballots, that's uh, bothersome to me. And then the numbers in Georgia, for instance, you've got the Atlanta metro area, I forgot the names of DeKalb County or a couple more counties around there that, uh, their registration, Democrat registration, is up uh, in one or two of them of 200% and another one over 400%. So uh, that's kind of troubling to me. Uh, so troubling to me is, is that 54% of our population is women. And I saw a recent poll, and these have been pretty consistent throughout this process over the last uh, year or so, women are mad at Trump. They're mad at him for his remarks that he makes. They think he's a misogynist. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, my daughter is 38 years old, lives in Northern California, earns a six-digit income. Uh, she's a general manager of a uh, – she manages wineries and what have you. She was raised on Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> she was raised in a conservative environment, and she is mortally hacked off at the president. 
She uh, doesn't like the way he talks about women. She doesn't like the way he talks about minorities at times in the past. He's made some remarks. We all acknowledge that because he does speak off the cuff a lot. He, he doesn't follow the teleprompter like he should. And sometimes he gets into the weeds and goes places he shouldn't go. But at any rate, that's Donald Trump. That's the way he is. You either love him and accept it or you, you know, ignore it, one of the two. But uh, she refused to vote for him this time because of some remarks he's made in the past. And I don't think she's alone. So that's troubling to me. Now, on the upside of all this is that people are finally starting to come out from under the ether, and I think it's starting to resonate that, you know, Biden's running around talking about, let's face it, Biden's ace in the hole this election is COVID, okay? He's got nothing else to campaign on. What else is he going to campaign on? National defense, the economy, you know, he's got nothing. He's got nothing except COVID. So he's running around the country bashing the president. Sadly for America, the numbers are in his favor in terms of people getting sick and things like that, and it's concerning to a lot of people. That's why you have so many people out wearing masks and what have you. And and to with that said, the uh, the the argument that he's making is is that Trump has failed in his defense, you know, for America against COVID. Well, my question has been, and it's the question that I think everybody's starting to ask now is, what difference could he have made? Is there anything else? He didn't want to lock the country down. Trump did. Trump said, hey, look, this stuff's coming from China. We don't want any more Chinese airliners landing here. And he shut it down. Uh, Hey, this stuff's all over Italy and France. Tell you what, let's shut down Europe, too. (laughs) So he did. And, And then he calls out to the American people. He goes, look, we need ventilators. Who can make ventilators? Well, there was a couple of companies, I don't recall the names, you may know them off the top of your head, that stepped up and said, I think one of them was General Motors, shut one of their plants down and said, yeah, we can make these things. And they pulled the World War II. They retooled this plant real quickly and started making ventilators. uh, Even the governor of New York held a press conference one day. I watched it. said, thank you, Mr. Trump, you know, thank you, President Trump. You did a great job. You got us the money. You got us the mask. You got us all the supplies we needed. We are so grateful to you. And then he caught his breath and said, oops, I better not say that. Yeah. Isn't it funny today? I I hate to interrupt, but isn't it funny right now? Isn't it funny now we can find Chris Cuomo on CNN denying that that ever happened? You know, we can well, find. I don't know how he denies it, Tim. It's on videotape. I mean, I'm sure his network has it. You know. Yeah. Well, they do, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. <laughs> and you're not going to see that tape run on CNN. You're going to have to go to the Trump website, just like you'll have to go to the Trump website as opposed to uh, a um, one of these legacy media outlets if you want to see where uh, Joe Biden said he was going to end fracking. Uh, and uh, uh, just 
uh, note to self, uh, Joe, uh, don't ask the president to put it on his website uh, if it's something that you said. But you're right. There's been a lot of people that have been turned off by the rhetoric, and uh, it breaks my heart to hear any person say that given now. I get it first go around. Back in 2016, you see this rhetoric. If it turns you off, that's really all you have to base your idea of how Donald Trump would be as president. He didn't have a political record. I didn't necessarily agree with it. I had my concerns. You and I discussed that a lot at that time. You were uh, sure. on board the Trump train, and uh, you were on several times with me trying to convert me, and I told you, look, uh, during the primary, I don't know. I've got my concerns. He's uh, given a lot of money to Democrats. He's got uh, some uh, policies where he talks real nice about Planned Parenthood. He did all these things, but at the end of the day, he ends up getting the nomination, and then uh, what am I going to do, vote for Hillary Clinton? Uh, no, uh, and so I crossed my <laughs> fingers, and – as it turns out, Donald Trump has been probably the most efficient and most conservative uh, – I don't want to use the word ruling, but that's kind of what keeps coming to mind um, – governing. That's the word I was looking for. One of the most conservative governing presidents that we've had in our history. He surpasses Ronald Reagan. The only difference is is the rhetoric. And I would agree with you. And, you know, it, it, the entire time, I, I'll just be honest with you, one, one night I was talking to Katrina Pearson on the telephone about another subject, and I said, and as you know, Katrina had been his, one of his spokespeople and surrogates in the last campaign, and she's one of his advisors to this day. And uh, <laughs> I asked her, I said, Katrina, can't you take his phone away from me his twitter account can't somebody shut him up and she started laughing she said kid ivanka's taking his phone don jr's taking his phone melania's taking his phone <laughs> kellyanne took his phone i took his phone we've all taken his phone and he's president he demands it back and we have to give it back to him there's <laughs> nothing we can do he loves twitter because, A, it's easy to do. He can do it early in the wee hours of the morning. And secondarily, it's his way where he can directly communicate with the American people. I've seen countless tweets where he's responded to average citizens that have asked him a question or made a comment. I know he has me. He, he's responded to me several times. And you can you know, actually talk to the president of the United States via Twitter. Now, yeah. it's hard getting him to see it because he gets, you know, 30,000 tweets a day. But if he happens to catch something that catches his eye, you too may very well get a tweet from the president of the United States. And he loves that. Yeah. So and it's been his Achilles heel too. So. All right. It's been a strength. It's been a drawback. He's certainly not going to back away from it now. Uh, how would you rate the campaign in the last two weeks, though, from both sides? Uh, first, uh, if you want to – since there's a whole lot less to discuss, start with Joe Biden. Feel free to start there. But I'd really like to get a feel for how you feel like the last couple of weeks have been handled going into this home stretch. The last two weeks for the Trump campaign have been uh... – have been outstanding. The messaging's on point. He's sticking to the script. He, uh, 
he he's got them. If you'll notice, all of his messages are essentially the same at each stop. Uh, he's he's got it all down. He's hitting the high points, the points that matter to the American people. He talks about COVID. He brings up the subject I did a minute ago. Okay, you got a better idea. What would you have done? I mean, what, what reality? What could you have done differently? And it's caused people to really think about it, and and that's a good thing uh, because he did everything that could be done except tell the American people, hey, you're all getting ready to die, which is what the <laughs> Democrats wanted him to do. Be honest. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm the president. Here's the deal. It's a news conference. We got a disease that just hit shore and west coast, and you're all going to die. <laughs> I mean, what's he supposed to say? You know, it's not something you want to come out and say, hey, we're going to lose millions of people potentially from this thing. You know, this is a bad deal. Hey, no, no. You, when you're president, you don't say things like that. Your stock market crashes, people panic, and you have total chaos. And he knew that. And so he did what he had to do. But to answer your question, He's spot on on defense. He's spot on on foreign policy. He's spot on on COVID, the economy. He's reminding people how good the economy was nine months ago, how well we were doing. And uh, another thing that I really like, and this is key, okay, he's using the word we. Mm -hmm. He's not using I as much anymore. He's using we. And that is good. I, that's something I'm very grateful that he's saying. He's also reminding people that uh, that he's been fighting for them. You know, each state that he goes to, he points out a couple of things, like in Pennsylvania yesterday, and he got a standing ovation for it, and people were screaming, I'm protecting your fracking. Then he puts up, this is what I really love, about the last week he started doing this, He's put up these giant jumbotrons, yeah. and he plays this five-minute video of, of Biden just stumbling all over himself, promising to end fracking, promising to raise taxes. How Biden expects to win by telling the American people, I'm going to raise your taxes, is beyond me. I, I don't know how this is supposed to work, but um, he's doing it. Man. Well, yeah, it, there's so much that just leaves you scratching your head and wondering how there could be anybody willing to pull pull the lever on behalf of Joe Biden. He has such a long, long track record in D.C., and the only major accomplishment in that time frame that he had was the uh, crime bill. And right now, especially among Democrats, that's become taboo. It's become a bad thing. He's not supposed to have said, hey, maybe we should be tough on crime. Uh, I don't mind uh, legitimate uh, reform uh, when it comes to uh, trying to help police uh, be able to do a better job. I don't mind legitimate uh, sentencing reform when uh, we've had a lot of zero tolerance in cases that uh, current law doesn't really support anymore. But what I do mind is the Democrats are telling you that it's not okay to have a problem with criminal activity and that somehow there's something wrong with you if you have a problem with it. But that's Joe Biden's only major accomplishment other than just being a guy who can uh, walk around and still breathe. How does this well, become yeah. the guy? Well, I'll tell you, 
he was nominated for one simple reason. The Democrat establishment wanted him. And they wanted him. Now, this gets into, you know, a little bit of a gray area, and people are going to go, oh, Ken, you're kind of, you know, (laughs) going the QAnon conspiracy route here. But no, uh, just think about this it's, for a it's minute. It's okay, Ken. We we have plenty of tinfoil hats to go around here, so we'll get you sized up and you <laughs> okay. go right ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, but if you stop and truly think about this for a minute, you had some really good Democrats that would have made great candidates. Tulsi Gabbard, for one. I'm going to tell you right now, Tulsi probably could have beaten Trump. And I, and I say that. Because I met with her a couple of times. One time I visited with her for over an hour. Uh, we were sitting in lawn chairs at a at a estate here in, in Iowa one hot summer night, uh, and we were sitting there talking. And there's no doubt in my mind that she got. A matter of fact, I'll, I'll tell you one quickie. I asked her. I said, "You're not even a Democrat." She laughed. And said, "No, I'm really not." And I said, I can tell. I said, what are you doing running as a Democrat? She said, it's the only way to get elected in Hawaii. <laughs> well, she's a Republican and Democrat sheets clothing or something over there. But at any rate, she's not actually, but she could have beaten Trump. Joe Manchin from West Virginia is another one. He's a stalwart. He's a middle of the road, slightly left to center, but he's not a radical loon. No, he's more and, like um, one of the blue dogs. He's really a, a blue dog exactly. Democrat, well, yeah. Yeah, he's an old line JFK style Democrat. Uh, he's still young enough where he's very energetic. He's very articulate. He's very, very intelligent. He's been in the Senate for a while. He's got the credentials. He could have given the president a serious threat and run for his money. Why would you put up? what is obviously a mentally deficient. I'm not picking on Biden. I feel sorry for the man, actually. He's 77 years old. If he wins, he'll be inaugurated at 78. He's obviously got issues. He had a severe stroke a number of years ago that that left him in kind of the condition he's in today. But it's gotten worse through time. And they're propping this fellow up He's tired. You know, they, they should have said, look, here's $3 million. Write a book of your memoirs. Call it a day and retire and, you know, comfort and let him go. But they didn't. Yeah. So why? Why would they do that? Well, there's obviously only one reason. Look at who his running mate is. This is a lady that stood on worldwide television and all but insulted him. I mean, well, she did insult him, but... Yeah. I mean, she all but called him foul names. So why would you choose this radical leftist, socialist, Marxist uh, senator from California to be your running mate? Why would you do that? Well, it's obvious he didn't. The party did it. His wife did it. Whoever did it. And what they're going to do, and I've heard this from Capitol Hill. I'm not going to name names, but I have heard this from very reliable sources. He's going to serve, if he wins, he's going to serve six months to a year. They're going to do his annual physical on him, like they do every president every year. 
and they're going to say, Mr. President, you need to step aside. That is why Nancy Pelosi was running that bill not too long ago about the 25th Amendment, trying to loosen that up where they had more control. And that is exactly, it wasn't for Trump. It was for Joe Biden, because they're going to step in and say, Mr. President, you you need to step aside. And they're going to make Kamala. This was all designed to put a socialist in the Oval Office. That's what it was all designed for. Not only that, uh, not just socialists, but uh, somebody who's willing to do what they're told. Kamala has demonstrated she's more than content to do what she's told. And one of the most telling things to me, Ken, about this whole scenario is the only time Kamala has even been asked about her feelings about Joe Biden, where she basically said, I don't want to say you're a racist, but Joe, you're a racist. Uh, and then turn around and fully embrace him and be a loving partner going forward was Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert is the only one who had the nerve to ask that question who's been allowed to talk directly to her. That tells you a lot. Ken, I want you to stay right where you're at. We've got to take the uh, mid-hour break, and uh, when we come back on the other side, we'll continue this conversation right where we are. In the meanwhile, guys, the rest of you listening out there, don't go anywhere. Ken Crow will be back with me on the other side of this. You stay, and we'll be right back. On January 25, 1974, Ronald Reagan gave his famous Shining City on a Hill speech. He was bitterly opposed to the dark, dim direction our nation was heading. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, time does not permit me to share the Gipper's entire message, but his most inspiring conclusion is itself a message for the ages. And I quote, We cannot escape our destiny, nor should we try to. The leadership of the free world was thrust upon us two centuries ago in that little hall of Philadelphia. In the days following World War II, when the economic strength and power of America was all that stood between the world and the return to the Dark Ages, Pope Pius XII said, The American people have great genius for splendid and unselfish actions. Into the hands of America, God has placed the destinies of an afflicted mankind. We are indeed, we are today, the last best hope of mankind on earth. Today, our republic is embroiled in a war between those on the political left who literally want to recast her as one nation under China and mob rule. And today's re-founding fathers who seek to reestablish our exceptional nation way of life with true liberty and justice for all. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. This is Dan Perkins for your songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. Did you know that the VA drastically expanded telehealth during the pandemic? Telehealth allows you to stay in your home and visit with a doctor. Prior to the outbreak of the epidemic, the VA system conducted about 2,500 telehealth video sessions daily. Today, it's increased a thousand percent with more than 25,000 telehealth calls every day. Here's your veterans tip of the day. Make contact with your local VA facility and find out how you can enroll in telehealth. It'll improve the quality of your care. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us Veterans Tip of the Day. Hello, Americans. Tim Tapp here again for the Tap into the Truth Voter Apathy Project. Are you someone that believes that taking guns away from law-abiding citizens makes America safer? Do you believe that fewer police in the communities that are suffering from the highest rates of crime is a good idea? 
Do you believe that Hollywood celebrities are so much smarter than the rest of us that we should listen to what they have to say and live our lives the way they want us to? Then congratulations. You've got what it takes to be part of the Voter Apathy Project. You've already demonstrated that you don't care enough to understand why the framers created the Second Amendment in the first place. You've also demonstrated that you don't care enough to understand crime statistics and why they matter. And you've also demonstrated that you're simply not willing to think for yourself. So if you said yes to any of those questions, maybe instead of going to go vote, you should just go watch another movie. This has been Tim Jap reminding you that if you don't care enough to tap into the truth, you should just stay home on Election Day. Become a WCET Late Nighter today. What is a late nighter, you ask? A late nighter is a loyal listener who wants access to the WCET radio shows on demand and wants to contribute to the station's growth with an annual or monthly listener contribution. Late nighters also get priority access to host call in shows, special WCET swag, and late nighter only events on the network. Become an annual late-nighter and get a free WCET Stop the Censorship t-shirt sent directly to you all over the world. Just click one of Become a Late-Nighter buttons all over WCETradio.com to subscribe. Without you, there is no us. I listen to WCET every day because it's the most tremendous radio station in America. You heard the man. Nothing better. WCT FM talk radio like no other. Yes, that's right. Mr. Michael Vera is laying out the truth right there. It is talk radio like no other. You are listening to us live, both at BTR and at WCET right now as we broadcast across the airwaves in Columbia, South Carolina directly, as well as worldwide on both WCET radio.com and WCET, the app. Uh, not to mention all the other great places that you may be listening to us. Now, if you're one if you're one of the great listeners that are tuning in on one of the stations that rebroadcast the show, then you're not hearing us when we're live. The time of the live broadcast, of course, is November 1st. It's 2020. It's a little bit after 3.30 p.m. Eastern. So if you're listening at KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, or KDIL, 105.7 FM in Kennewick, Washington, or KOII, 94.5 FM in Flagstaff, Arizona, thank you so much for listening. And uh, remember, you're always invited to come join us live and then re-listen at the regular time. If you're here live, uh, the way that works, if you hop into a chat room, uh, you can have some interaction with me and sometimes my guests, depending on how that interaction is. And then we'll have that discussion. And uh, then you can turn around and tell all your friends, hey, listen to the show at this time because I'm going to be on. See see how that works? It's kind of cool to be rebroadcast. Okay, so uh, here we are. We're uh, having a great conversation with Mr. Ken Crow, and we're, of course, discussing the home stretch, if you will, uh, as we – 
come to the tricks after the treats of Halloween that we all survived yesterday, and thank goodness for that. Whew. Uh, Ken, uh, before we dive back into the uh, topics at hand, I want to give you an opportunity right now to let everybody know where they can find your work. I mean, you're the author of some great books, Ego in a Tea Bag, still one of my uh, favorite stories of uh, how the Tea Party insider situation worked. Uh, you've got some other projects uh, upcoming. Uh, we're looking for a release time soon. And you are the managing editor as well as the primary uh, source uh, and, and power, if you will, behind the great website Conservative Daily Briefing, where you're kind enough to allow little old me to be a contributor from time to time. So let everybody know where they can find oh. all your work. Well, number one, you're not a little old contributor. You're a, you're a stallion. When it comes to writing, <laughs> at any rate, you are you are the secretariat of writing. No, uh, guys, seriously, Tim Tim puts out some good stuff. Um, yeah, conservativedailybriefing.com. And uh, my new project, believe it or not, this is a fun one. I've started, I'm halfway through the first chapter of writing it. Um, I was asked by uh, Ted Nugent's best friend who's his, uh, you know, Uncle Ted is, right, um, to write a fiction story. He thought it'd be really fun to write a fiction story about how the New World Order comes in, you know, kind of like that movie where the troops are parachuting in and the high school kids, you know, the Wolverines go save America. Only it's Ted that does it, and he mobilizes all of the uh, militias around the country and becomes the general of the militia army and uh, takes over and saves us from totalitarianism by the Chinese or somebody and the guys in the blue helmets. So I've started writing it. It's kind of fun. It's kind of a cross between a Tom Clancy and and an I don't know, but it's going to be good. I've got it laid out, and we're working on it. So, uh, and what's the latest with the accidental congressman? Well, I uh, I completed that book and I gave it to the congressman and said, "Here." So he's he's making some tweaks to it and some some things to it that he wanted to, and he I guess he's getting it published. I just gave it to him. I have right. so much respect for that man. He is. Uh, he is a stellar individual, and he was truly robbed partisan politics within his own party. I mean, it was the story that happened to them. And I'm going to tell you folks something: these parties, <laughs> you got to watch them. They, they, there is some deep stuff going on within them, and it's not good. Yeah. So. And another one of the reasons why Donald Trump is so hated by people, regardless of what letter is at the end of their name, is he doesn't play that game. He still honestly believes the people should come first, and uh, God bless him for that. Uh, now, as far as the new book is concerned, that sounds to me like that could be more of a premonition from some of the things we're seeing as opposed to just a fun romp because i got to tell you, Ken, things are looking kind of scary where we are at uh, – uh, on a political basis at the street level. Uh, now, I didn't mean to, to cut you off there, so I'll let you finish that, and then we'll circle back around to this topic. Well, I, I was just going to say you're you're 100% right. I mean, think about this for a minute. Seriously, ponder this thought for a minute. Go back in time five years. 
this guy had the number one TV show on, I believe it was on Sunday night primetime. I used to never miss an episode. I mean, I thought it was fun as heck to watch. These celebrities make fool of themselves trying to sell cupcakes and all this stuff. He he had a ball with that program, and he earned a lot of money off of that program. Everybody in America loved Donald Trump. He wrote, what, four or five bet, number one bestsellers? Yeah. I mean, he had the number one TV show. He had a successful real estate empire, and everybody liked him. Yeah, we know. He used to go to the Studio 54 and play with some girls, and yeah, well, he was a rich, handsome businessman, and that's what rich, handsome businessmen in their mid-30s and 40s do, I guess. So you know, a lot of that other was overlooked. And the day he announced he was running for president, all of a sudden he's going to destroy America, and he's the most reviled thing on planet Earth. I want to remind everybody of one thing. How did this happen? Well, the real hatred began the day of his inauguration, and why? Why on the day of his inauguration did all of a sudden both parties turn against him? His own party did, not to mention the Democrats, and the media did. Why? Because he uttered those words, I'm going to drain the swamp. And the first thing he did, president, the first act that he did, is my memory serves me correctly if I'm not senile, he signed an executive order banning lobbying. If you had if you had served on Capitol Hill in any capacities above a senior advisor or or uh, or a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for where you run the office you're the manager of everything or a congressman if you served in any senior capacity on Capitol Hill you were banned for five years from lobbying. If you ever served in the West Wing, you were banned for life from lobbying. Now, this took away, what do these congressmen do? They go up and they serve three terms, about six years, and they get a gig because they served on the Armed Services Commission uh, Committee. They get a gig for $3 million a year from Lockheed Martin to be a lobbyist. And that's why, that's why they spend so much of their own money, besides the fact they get cart blocks to insider trading, and they don't go to prison for it. They do that as well as get lobbying gigs. And it's wrong. And he said this is wrong. And that's why our government is so far in debt. And we're in the position that we're in. A lot of it is due to these. You want to know why drugs? Look, hydroxychloroquine works. Hydroxychloroquine works to kill the COVID virus. You take that with zinc, and it strips it out of your lungs and strips it off your blood vessels, and everybody knows it. So why aren't we using it? We're not using it because the companies that manufacture it, it only sells for five cents a tablet. They want to sell the stuff that sells for $10 a tablet. And that's what they're out racing right now to create is the $10 a tablet stuff. And don't be using the hydroxychloroquine. Even though they're using it, it's been around 75 years and they know it works. They yeah. used it in World War II. And, that's and uh, my. 
it's so cheap now <laughs> because it has been sure. around so long, and it's not sure. under the patents but anymore. It goes back to lobbying. It goes yeah. back to lobbying. You've got these lobbyists up there going, no, 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 don't use that. Don't use that. It doesn't work. And they lobby Fauci. They lobby everybody. They spread around a whole lot of cash. And now we got to sit around and wait on drugs and vaccines that may or may not work. And it, it's ridiculous. And that's what Trump was putting a stop to, and that's why he's hated by everybody. Yeah, when he said he wanted to drain the swamp, he went to work immediately trying to do exactly that. And everybody everybody would have been fine. I mean the Democrats are going to play like they hate him if they thought he was going to be the same Donald Trump that gave them millions of dollars. But the minute he actually showed up and tried to keep the promises he made, he's like, whoa, you're raising the bar. You're changing the whole game. We can't have that. Washington, D.C. is not where people go to get results. It's where we go to make empty promises and line our pockets and uh, pretend like we're working for the people. Uh, uh, Ken, we are already running uh, very short on time for the remainder of what I wanted to discuss in this first hour. Sure. Uh, so I may if, – if you have time, I may ask you to hold over into the second hour a little bit. Uh, perfectly up to you. I know you're a busy guy. But uh, two topics I want to get in in this first hour still remaining. Number one – Understanding how a modern civil war would look and the uh, assertions of what we're seeing, uh, the fact that if Donald Trump gets reelected, Antifa and Antifa types are going to take to the streets, uh, and there may be these little pockets of insurgency. Or more to the point, something I think is more scary and just as realistic and probably would be a lot more bloody, the possibility that Joe Biden – uh, ends up winning the election, and they sweep the Senate, and all of a sudden we see a lot of these fast-paced changes that these uh, ultra-leftists, full-blown communists want to push in place. Uh, the possibility of people like, I don't know, let's say uh, Mr. Nugent, uh, or others who have the means to organize might actually just say, uh, hell no, we're not putting up with this. There's enough patriots and enough people just looking to get in a fight uh, for an armed revolution. How realistic on either of those do you think it is given where we're at? Have you seen anything on the streets that makes you think maybe that sentiment's just overblown, or is this something we should legitimately be concerned about going into this election? Well, I'll put it to you this way. I've been stocking my basement, mm. uh, and I'm dead serious about that. I'm not kidding you. Uh, you cannot buy ammunition at most stores now. Most retail stores are sold out, and they can't get any. They're having trouble getting ammunition. Uh, if that gives you any indication, okay. It, it's a given. If Donald Trump wins again, we're going to see Philly burn, Chicago burn, L.A., Seattle, Portland, and many other cities. They will be mass rioting. That is a fact. Uh, one of the really concerning things to me that plays into what you just you just asked about was a few days ago, maybe a week ago. I don't know. It's been recently in the last little bit. They asked Nancy Pelosi what she thought was going to happen. She guaranteed a victory by Joe Biden. Guaranteed it. She said, I promise you Joe Biden will be the next president. Now, how does this lady, when have you ever heard a politician make that kind of guarantee? Politicians don't usually answer questions. They dance around them 
and give you half answers. You know, well, it's looking good for our side, the vice president. You know, he's he's up in the polling and blah, 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 blah. No, she didn't do that. She came out and said, I guarantee you a win. So like Joe Namath did at the Super Bowl. And that is concerning because how does she know that? And what does she know? I've heard I've heard on the streets that that they've got this in place. Here's here's the problem. Biden wins and it's not a clear victory. I mean overwhelming victory to where our side says, Well, I guess they just more of them showed up than us. Okay, we gotta take our whipping. Then nothing'll happen unless they start in on the seizure of the guns and everything else. At that point in time is when you will see the militias rise up and every pickup truck flying a Trump flag is going to break the shotgun out. That is when you'll see that happen. But as far as a Trump wins, you will see cities burn and you're going to see a lot of businesses burn. I can actually see the president being forced into declaring martial law for a, for a week or two weeks or whatever to get it tamped down. I can see that happening. Yeah. All right, uh, Ken, we actually have a caller on the line. It's Mr. Pianchi. He's calling in from uh, the great American Midwest. Uh, we're going to go ahead and bring him on. Uh, uh, Pianchi, thank you again for calling back in with us, and uh, you are on the air. Uh, you, I, and uh, Mr. Ken Crow. Well, good evening. I should say good afternoon to you and Mr. Crow. But here's the thing. Why do these governments let these cities become the anarchist bastions that they did? If Trump wins and he calls for martial law, I hope that does go down. Because you need to root this venom out of your cities, out of the country. If not, they're going to cause problems over and over and over again. You know, the ultimate authority in this country, and some people argue with me about this, is the military. The people in the Pentagon have sworn to uphold the Constitution. You look at other countries around the world when they have military coups, everything is put on hold. The leaders go in there and clean stuff up, clean out that ratchet media. Some people get put up against the wall. And then after things has calmed down and got back to some orderly perspective, then they turn it back over to civilians, those that's left in the government. <laughs> so the United States is in a precarious well, position. We're in a precarious position. The stuff that's going on, I never would have thought I would have saw that, but I could see it brewing the way things was going. It's been an asserted effort to destroy the fabric of this country. You know it. I know it. Other people who took part in it, well, they took part in it. And at some point in time, it's going to raise its ugly head, and we're going to have to either do what we got to do, or we're going to be subjugated. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Uh, that's Well, thanks for the call as always, sir, and uh, we'll uh, take a few minutes to respond to that. Ken, uh, what uh, what do you say in response? <laughs> Well, I say this. Uh, Let's just take a look at the governor of Michigan. She was actually caught on video. She was on a hot mic and didn't know it. 
And this has been, I don't know, two, three weeks ago. They asked her why she was continuing with all this. And her response, I'm paraphrasing, so I don't remember exactly how she said it, but basically she was attempting to make everybody's life so miserable that they would hate the current situation and vote for a change. And that's what all this has been about in Portland, Oregon, Seattle, uh, the state of California, New York, New York City. New York City is now a ghost town. I mean, it, it, the streets are empty, the restaurants are shuttered, the, the city is, and, and Trump all the cries when he describes it because he loves the city. He helped build it. And, uh, <laughs> and they, they're ruining it. Cuomo's ruining it. And uh, the, these lockdowns and shutdowns in these little pockets of areas, which your caller just described, is designed to make people's lives miserable so they will vote for Joe Biden and get rid of Trump. That's what all this was designed for. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's really more than that, too, though. It really is about continuing to move uh, their agenda forward. It's about trying to normalize this kind of activity. And, you know, we, we've seen it slowly. Time, uh, very incremental. The, the, the leftists love incrementalism. And uh, we, we've seen it from the very beginning. They use words like compromise, which sounds nice and reasonable, right? And the problem is uh, here we are on the, the right side, and here they are over there on the left side. And then we meet in the middle, and uh, what do we do? The conservatives pat themselves on the back for being able to find that common ground. And then the left side goes immediately twice as far to the left as they were and immediately begin demanding for compromise again. And at some point, you have to draw a hard line and say no. Otherwise, you start getting the normalization of those things that tear down our society, those things that tear down our civilization. And that's the basic fundamental building blocks, the uh, nuclear family unit, uh, the ideas uh, that uh, freedom of speech means exactly that, the idea that religious liberty means exactly that, the idea that there are limitations to the uh, distinctions of what is and isn't art. Uh, all of these things, they're attacking the normalization, and, and our current normalization that's under attack uh, goes towards this effort to try and push the idea that pedophilia is just another sexual orientation. We've been watching that for better than a decade slow roll, and now it's a major push on their part. And we have all this social engineering coming at us from network television and streaming services like Netflix, and we, we can't get a break from it, and we get all these images. And if you dare to speak out, if you dare to be Ice Cube and say, hey, by the way, uh, Donald Trump says he's going to help black folks, and he's laying out a plan, and he's taking my calls, and the Democrats only want to talk to me when they uh, hear me complaining about them not – talking um, – them not taking my call, and now they want to talk to me for a photo op. No. People are figuring it out. They've become so obvious about it that now they can't deny it any longer. Uh, Ken, uh, we've got about uh, a minute and a half before we have to uh, break down and reset the hour, and I'll let you have those uh, closing moments right after I say hey to COG who's joined us in the chat room. Glad to have you with us, sir. You honestly think I can say anything in a minute and a half? You really <laughs> well, believe that? Well, I told okay. you it would be a challenge. <laughs> told you it'd be a challenge today. 
<laughs> oh, I just, you know, you're you're a hundred, you're a hundred and eleven percent correct, Tim. And I don't mean to patronize for your listeners, but Tim is right. And this has been going on uh, since the '60s, and it's taken straight out of the playbook of uh, Bill Ayers and 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 Saul Alinsky and all these guys. That, that have been doing this since the 60s. It, it started with uh, women burning their bras. It started, you know, uh, full-on legalization of abortion. Abortion's been around for, for the millennia, but it was never done where Becky needed to go to a uh, uh, cheerleading camp and didn't want to be pregnant when she went, so she just went down and got an abortion. It was It was never done for that purpose. Um, you know, we, 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 we've gotten our, we've gotten way offline. And after the break, I want to tell you about a conversation I had with a Methodist minister the other day, because it was a real interesting conversation and our churches have succumbed to this new think way of thinking as well, Tim. Yeah, it is uh, tragic, too. That is another topic that uh, I've had multiple discussions on. But we're going to say goodbye for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast. Uh, great stations like KYAH, uh, KDIL, KOII. You guys usually only get to hear this program in one-hour increments. So if you're enjoying this and you want to pick up or we're leaving off, be sure to tune in again. Same tap time, same tap, tap channel as uh, hour number two will be uh, broadcast again on the next day following. If you're listening at WCET or if you're here at BTR Live, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this, and Ken Crow stays with us as we go into hour number two. Don't go anywhere. And uh, I'm out for now. And for those of you I am saying goodbye to, though, I almost forgot. Guys, don't take my word for it, but definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, you know, be smart, even if that kind of goes against your nature. We'll be back right after this. above the gun Hear the wind Cross the plain There is no fear That I must contain And I'm in the eye Of the hurricane I see the sweat Across his brow Draw in eternal now. The fastest one is the one who's slain. I still stand, got the better aim. And I'm in the eye of the Okay. 
I hope you are having a fantastic day, wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, uh, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And the uh, live audience is uh, considerably larger than the norm, as we are simulcasting live both hours with WCET Radio. So glad to have all you guys on board. Thank you so much for being here. And speaking of WCET, uh, yesterday, of course, was Halloween. It was the day of the annual Spookathon. And I'm looking very much forward to getting some numbers and information about how uh, things went with the Spookathon. Uh, of course, uh, you got to hear great hosts from across the board, uh, myself and uh, Ron Edwards included, uh, as well as a lot of the regulars, including uh, Mr. Michael Vera and uh, the the whole crew, uh, really. Just about everybody took a turn hosting some time and reminding you of why it is that you guys love WCET Radio as much as you do. And I wish I could take all the credit for that, but unfortunately, if I'm going to be honest, and you know, we talk about tapping into the truth around here, I'm still relatively new to the party, although it has been there over a year now. And uh got to tell you, it feels like family. Love being there. feels like my radio home. So with all that being said, uh, it's not too late to become a late-nighter. Uh, feel free if you haven't already. If you missed the events, uh, uh, you know they've got the archives up. You can listen to some of the shows. 
feel free to do that. But don't forget to sign up. Become a late-nighter because like I've been telling you for a little bit, starting early 2021, there's going to be a whole lot more exclusive late-nighter content. And uh, I, I think that's sufficient sales pitch for there. What do you say we get back to the meat and potatoes of what you tune in for? Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Uh, this is, of course, the second hour of a live broadcast that took place on a November 1st, 2020. It's a few brief moments after 4 p.m. Eastern. That, of course, is for the benefit of those of you who are listening to the rebroadcast. Uh, this Sunday, I have uh, been blessed to be joined by the purveyor as well as the managing editor of conservative daily briefing as well as uh, political activist and uh, uh, campaign expert. And uh, what were all those superlatives I gave? Some people call him a right-wing radical. He's not. He just talks a lot of common sense. Uh, from their perspective on the left, they're pretty far out there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Friend of the show and personal friend, Mr. Ken Crow. Ken, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you even more for hanging out with us for more than an hour. Well, listen, I'm honored to do so, as always. I'm always honored. I want to circle back on a subject, if you don't mind, for a minute. All right. Uh, I want to bring you positive, happy news. <laughs> okay. We could use some. Go right ahead. Okay. The Des Moines left-wing radical newspaper known as the Des Moines Register did a poll the, uh, a couple of days ago. They published it, I believe it was day before yesterday. Maybe it was yesterday. You're never going to believe this. The Des Moines Register, of all people, now has Trump up by 7% in the state, along with Joni Ernst. She was a major Senate seat that I was extremely concerned about because the left, if you can believe this, in little old Iowa, has spent $200 million trying to win the uh, Senate seat for Teresa Greenfield. And uh, Joni Ernst hasn't spent near that much and is now up. So that is a bit of good news because we were really concerned about losing Iowa and concerned about losing that Senate seat. Now I'm hearing that Martha McSally is now up over Mark Kelly in Arizona. And Mark Kelly's led that race for the last year out there. Yeah. Uh, and she is now rallying at the last minute, no doubt due to some of President Trump's visits to the Grand Canyon State. Uh, North Carolina were neck and neck with Trump having a slight lead in North Carolina by two or three points. Florida, he's apparently way up. And now here's something really interesting. The Cuban population in Miami has not been breaking for Biden. The votes uh, for early voting down there are way down in Miami. Mm -hmm. And they're very, very concerned because Republicans like to vote on Election Day. We're not afraid. We're going to go vote. And they're thinking that, and now, it according to recent polling nationwide, the uh, African American or black population and Hispanics are now running somewhere between 17 and 30 percent in favor of Trump, which will offset any losses 
by the mad suburban housewives that don't like the way he talks. So we we may be in good shape here, folks. This may be turning out to to be better than I was honestly. And Tim can tell you, two weeks ago, I was nervous. I was very nervous. And I'm actually today feeling pretty good. Yeah. So. Well, you know, again, you know, we had that conversation last week where uh, we spent some time talking, and uh, you know, it, it wasn't a particularly uh, sunshine and rainbow kind of conversation. There was a, a whole lot of concern. So, yes, I will attest to that. But uh, you know, I, that's kind of where I was heading uh, to start with in this next hour. I wanted to dive into your more specific. Uh, projections and uh, what your predictions were going to be, not just at the presidential level, but also in the Senate that's absolutely vital and in some of these House races too, because uh, let's let's face facts. Uh, the House, if it remains in Democratic control uh, or if they gain more Democratic uh, seats, it makes it very difficult to make anything happen. The purse strings, for the most part, any new spending has to come from the House. Uh, even the Democrats who don't care much for the Constitution, they'll be loving that part of the Constitution at that point because that's how they're going to try and keep Trump from doing everything he wants to do. Uh, but with, with all of this in place, there was some real concern even just a couple of days ago, myself included. I was on air talking about how uh, I'm concerned about the uh, prospect of the, that I'm optimistic but that there's real avenues where the Senate goes to the Democrats and where Joe Biden ends up getting the necessary electoral votes. So uh, with with that in mind, and we'll kind of circle back around to some of the other things we've kind of touched on back in the first hour of today's broadcast uh, after that. But with all that in mind, how do you see things playing out, particularly – We'll start with the presidency since that's the big thing. What's your actual prediction? How do you feel this shakes out and why? And I, I want to again remind everybody, uh, everybody who's listening, that just because somebody says this is what they see happening doesn't mean they're necessarily happy about it. Okay, it doesn't mean they're rooting for it. So nobody go crazy if Ken says something that doesn't exactly make us feel good. Just Take it as motivation to go vote if you haven't already. Uh, let's start with the presidency. How do you see things playing out uh, as far as on Election Day, and how long do you think we have to wait to find out a uh, an actual winner? Okay, the actual winner will no doubt not unless it just turns out to be a blowout on Tuesday night where there's – you know, it doesn't matter how many votes are out there. They're not going to matter. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, we'll have a result Tuesday night. If that's not the case, I'm not saying a Florida situation with Gore versus Bush. Well, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. But it does take a little time to count. You know, a hundred million mail-in ballots. So I'm. Um, I'm thinking we're probably looking at a minimum of three or four days, maybe as long as a week, and we'll have a winner announced if if the mail-in ballots become a major issue. Um, okay, let's just take it, the, the most important state. I, I do think Trump will win Florida. I do think he's going to win Florida. In fact, he's got a rally there uh, tomorrow night, at, or maybe it's tonight at 11.30 at night. At an airport outside Miami, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
know, this guy is seriously working, okay? <laughs> he started <laughs> early this morning, and he's not going to finish up to in the morning. But, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, I, I see him winning uh, Pennsylvania. They had a crowd last night in uh, Butler, Pennsylvania. They estimated at 80,000 in the middle of the night, literally at 9, 10 o'clock at night. 80,000 people show up in the little town of Butler, Pennsylvania to see him. Now, folks, people don't do that that aren't passionate. They don't show up in the frigid cold in the middle of the night to hear a political speech unless they're passionate about who's saying the political speech. So I'm, I'm going to give Pennsylvania, I think, uh, I saw an interesting interview the other day. Uh, this fellow was doing a man on the street thing in Scranton asking about Joe Biden. All we've heard about is I'm the poor boy from Scranton across the tracks and all that. Scranton doesn't even like him. He's never done anything. He, he wasn't there that long. So his ties to Pennsylvania apparently had dwindled significantly. Um, and I see Trump pulling off PA. Now, if he pulls off Florida, which it looks like he's going to, and Texas, I'm going to tell you, Texas is beginning to lean purple, but I think he wins Texas. Uh, it's not going to be a big blowout like it was last time because there's been a demographic shift in that state. That, uh, And I want to remind everybody, Texas was actually Democrat for 100 years literally a hundred years until I believe it was Reagan that flipped it. But uh, at any rate, uh, Texas will drop for Trump. He'll take PA and then he's only going to need one more of the big three, either Ohio, Michigan, or Wisconsin. Now, as far as the Senate goes, I think John James may pull out a squeaker and take down Gary Peters in Michigan. Uh, because Peters is one of those senators that you never hear anything from except at election time. He's, he's never on the news. He doesn't do anything. He just shows up at election time saying, I need money, and by, and by the way, I really like you. Please vote for me. You know, And that's the kind of senator he is. He doesn't do much. So, I, And John James is out there. John James is African-American. He's a West Point graduate. He's a highly decorated helicopter pilot, and uh, he's very popular, and he's very, very articulate. He's very, he's very inspirational speaker. So I, I see James pulling that off, plus every trip Trump's made to the state, he's had James by his side, by the stage, and he's called him out, and he's praised him and showered him with love and all that. So I think James may pull that off. If that's the case, that's going to flip because we know we're going to lose Colorado. We know that. Uh, uh, Corey Gardner in Colorado is just – John Hickenlooper jumped into that race, and God love him. Hickenlooper's a nice guy. I met him. He, he's a very nice guy. He's kind of a blue dog Democrat in a lot of ways. And he served Colorado as governor for two or three terms, and they love him. They love him, and he's whipping Gardner's butt in Colorado. 
Uh, Tom Tillis, same story in North Carolina. We're probably going to lose that one. I was very, very worried about McSally. I think she may pull that off. And if she does, that's probably – and if we pick up John James, we could actually end up picking up a seat in the Senate. And two weeks ago, guys, I was very worried we were going to lose the Senate. And uh, I'm thinking now we may actually pick up a seat. So – I will, no, I don't see us winning the house. We're just do we're we make it, what seventeen seats? Seventeen yeah. seats, I believe it is. Do you think we make any gains there, or do we uh, lose more ground in the house? I think we stay where we're at, and possibly make one or two gains. I, I don't see us overcoming that 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 many seats. I just don't because here here's your number. Incumbents win 97% of the time because they have access to the big money, they have the name ID, and it, it's sort of like you, you heard the old adage and you've said this yourself. What do you think about Congress? Oh, I hate Congress. What do you think about your congressman? Oh, we love our congressman. He gave us a little league ball field and a, and a new sewer treatment plant. And, you know, everybody's congressman is okay except the other. Uh, 434. They're all bad, but ours is good. So yeah. that's the problem you get into. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter how many times your guy voted with all those other bad guys either. It's just like, oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, he, he gave us that ball field, that new sewage treatment plant. We love him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's what you get into. So, uh, Anyway, I, I don't see us taking the house back. We could make a little inroad into it. Now, I will tell you, next election, you're going to see the house flip, If, if uh, particularly if Trump doesn't win. If Trump doesn't win this, you're going to see a house flip by probably 40 seats, Yeah, and we'll take the house back. Well, yeah, I, that does kind of coincide with the trend that we've seen the last few uh, last few change of parties residing at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, they'll they'll have two years; they can do pretty much whatever they want, carte blanche. And then all of a sudden, they're like, uh, "Well, no, we're not liking how that's going," and they they uh, vote the other way. And uh, that's probably oh. a good thing. Uh, that's why we have the system set up the way it is to prevent. Too many well, people from pushing too far too quickly, and I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, I was just going to say, America. That, that's you're 100 percent right. We were set up that way, and it's a balance of power. And Americans don't typically like one party controlling everything. And, and you've seen it throughout history. I mean, it happened with Kennedy. It, it happened with Nixon. It happened with Reagan. It's it's happened with all of them. And uh, it doesn't matter how much they love the president. They don't want the president to have total 100% control of everything. Yeah. And they, they want a balance of power in there. So, And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Uh-huh. So uh, if we go back and look at those numbers you're throwing out, uh, are you calling this for uh, for Trump? Do you think he's got the win? I'm, I'm going to call this for Trump on a squeaker. Yeah. Uh, either a squeaker or a full-blown landslide. <laughs> I don't think there will be anything in between. I'm yeah. serious. It, this is either, 
I've never been more puzzled over an election than I am over this one. Uh, there, because there's just so many variables, Tim. There, there's so many variables that can happen that, that nothing, you know, used to be we could believe the mass media polling. But now we find out, well, okay, we, we polled 987 registered voters. Oh, by the way, in small print at the bottom, it's 712 were Democrats, you know. Right. And that's how they're putting, and that's how they're putting the polling out. And Trump's absolutely right in his speeches when he talks about suppression polling. They're doing it on purpose to tell the people on the right, the Trump supporters, hey, don't bother going to the polls. You've already lost. Right. Now, I, I want to bring up one really big deal here. And I'm not touting my website. I'm touting Donald Trump. Uh, well, you're, you're free to tout the out, website, by the way. Uh, well, no, I'm not. I'm not. I, don't, I don't like to. I'll do right. that for you in a little bit. There's, then, an but go article, ahead. there's an article that I, it's an op-ed. Actually, it's a letter from President Trump to black America that he wrote, uh, put it, well, he put it up day before yesterday. It's on the Republican website. And I copied it and republished it today and this letter needs to go far and wide he wrote a letter to black america and it'll actually bring tears to your eyes he he loves black america and it needs to go to everybody's email it needs to go to everybody's facebook page whether you copy the one off and link the one off the republican website i don't care or go to conservative daily briefing at the top of the page you can't miss it uh, and share it it doesn't matter but this thing needs to get out there big time because it could make a huge difference and uh, but he he wrote a letter explaining what all he's done what he intends to do Uh, he explains his platinum plan it's linked in there it's linked in the platinum plan to his platinum plan on his website uh, and it's yeah, you, you need to need, need to get this out there, Tim. It's a big deal. Oh. Yeah, I actually uh, saw that post. I think it went up about a minute after I had texted you to make sure we were still on for today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's like, hey, uh, Ken's actually busy too. I like it. All right, uh, so we we got this going on, and I kind of wanted to go back because I asked you uh, near the top of the first hour. Uh, if we really can gauge what the actual level of excitement is because of COVID and and how folks on the left are more inclined to to be afraid, and I also I've talked to a ton of people who vote Republican uh, and who maybe regardless of how they voted in the past are definitely voting for Trump, who have gotten out and voted early too because they didn't want to risk bad weather or polls shutting down because we've already seen a couple of states now talking about how because of COVID uh, and uh, upticks in cases they were going to reduce the number of polling places available on election day uh tell me those aren't some kind of shenanigans uh so a lot of folks have voted early aren't necessarily the democratic crowd but there's so many things it's really hard to gauge that excitement level i i think it's clear-cut easy to see excitement for trump can we read too much into a lack of excitement about joe biden or is this a expected response to covid that nobody's showing up at the Democratic rallies? 
no, I I think you're you're getting well. There's two things going on with Joe Biden. Number one, there is not the excitement. How do you get excited about a guy that speaks in word salad? I mean, seriously, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to the man. He he was our vice president for eight years. He served the country. But let let's be real. He's got issues, okay, and everybody knows it. So well, how do you get excited? The other thing is, is uh, interrupt you just a second, and Rush Limbaugh brought this up the other day. He made a very clear point, and I think he's 100% correct. The Democrats are not pushing his rallies. They don't want the, the flaming eco-environmental people and Antifa and Black Lives Matter and everybody showing up at his rallies. Because that's very bad optics for him. Yeah. So think about who his base is. I mean, his base is a bunch of whack jobs. That and the fact that they like being able to deny all the gaffes and all the, uh, again, the word salad, as you put it, uh, when he starts going off the rail and uh, tries to call Donald Trump uh, George and, and all these things that we've seen just recently. But yeah, I mean, don't clearly, forget he's running for the U.S. Senate again. Yeah, uh, for the what is it, the third time now? <laughs> uh, the, for the third know, time man. he said that. He keeps running for the Senate. And, and, and that might be a good place for him to run again because he'd fit back right back in there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it. I I do try not to. I, I think all the early voting is not as much of a concern though. Because I do think a lot more conservatives are voting early this time, and a lot more people uh, who were going to have to vote by mail did so also because uh, there was a lot of fear that a lot of these polling places wouldn't make themselves readily available. And in some states, that seems to have been a justifiable concern. Uh, So I I don't have that same uh, concern in an ordinary year. If this had been an ordinary year or it was only people voting for the Democrats that were voting early… Or you know the usual 60, 40, 70, 30 breakdown that most early voting does, then I would be really, really concerned because uh, that's a lot of ground to try to make up on a day where maybe you get your chance to vote or not if you're going to do it in person. But this year, more than I've ever seen, I think a lot of people have went ahead and done the early voting uh, in an effort to make sure that they're counted. And I, I know a lot of conservatives, and I know a lot of Republicans, and I don't necessarily automatically make those the same thing because clearly they're not. Uh, but I, I know a lot of folks that have voted uh, for Trump, and that was the reason they showed up, that have voted early. And I think that's really part of why we're seeing this record-breaking early voting now is because the folks who normally wait till Election Day aren't. So I kind of take that well, as I've got one more. i got one more happy thought for you. I know some Democrats that are voting for Trump, black Democrats, that are voting for Trump for the simple fact that they saw the, the uh, I don't even know the proper adjective to describe what happened with the Russiagate fiasco. They saw that, and they know that it was all fabricated. And they know that it was all lies. And they saw what was, I honestly think that Mueller and the Russia investigation is coming back to haunt the Democrats as well. 
because people saw that and they, and they and the end result was you got to be kidding me. We just spent two and a half years and forty million dollars on this, and it was all lies. Every bit of it was a lie, seriously, and that's what people are saying. And uh, I've heard that quite a bit, Tim. I've heard it quite from quite a few people. They are not happy about that. If it had been a legitimate thing, then fine, do it. But to impeach this man based upon total lies and fabrications and a created dossier that was all fake is is absolutely anti-American, and they don't like that. Yeah, I, I think too here recently uh, with the, the Hunter Biden laptop story being treated like it has been. I think a lot of folks on the uh, left side of the usual voting aisle have also started to realize how much they really are being lied to and manipulated by the media because for three and a half years, any anonymous uh, person who wanted to whisper in the dark something negative about Donald Trump, they ran with it. It was a major story, and then something that seems to be fairly well documented that Hunter was involved with, with questions of how much Joe may have been. And and I have to put the disclaimer out, although I think most of us know uh, Joe got his percentage, he got his cut, but so far there's not enough proof of that that would hold up in court, so we have to be careful how much. But that doesn't mean you hide the story. It doesn't mean you run from it, and a lot of people have seen that too. Uh, Ken, we're going to have to take that mid-hour break uh, real quick, and then when we get on the uh, flip side of that, we'll go into the home stretch. So you stay right where you are, and everybody out there listening, you guys stay where you are, and we'll be right back after this very brief break. And yet, another reason why Joe Biden should not be President of the United States of America. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, if any nation is overrun by liberal border crossers who never assimilate into its society, that nation will crumble from within. That is why Acting Border Protection Commissioner Mark Morgan warned that illegal border crossing could bloom into a full invasion If, God forbid, sleepy Joe Biden wins the U.S. presidency, it is the goal of Democrats, including Joe Biden, to fundamentally transform the United States into a godless, Christian-hating, bigoted nation that resembles Venezuela rather than the constitutionally limited republic envisioned by the founding fathers. The United States of America is the overall greatest nation ever known, but if Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and almost every single Democrat gets their way... America will lose her greatness and end up relegated to the ash heap of history. A triumphant Trump means victory for our republic. God bless America, and may America finally bless God. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Welcome, I'm Dan Perkins with your songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. Many veterans have been in the hospital throughout the pandemic without the ability to see family or loved ones. As a result, depression is on the rise. Here's your veterans tip of the day. Go to songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us and click on the donate button to contribute an MP3 system to a veteran. You can help fight depression. Go to songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. This has been your veterans tip of the day. 
America, this is Tim Tapp with the Tap into the Truth Voter Apathy Project. Do you believe that Joe Biden is a friend of black Americans? Do you believe that BLM, the organization, actually cares about black Americans? Do you think that a Marxist revolution would be good for black communities in this country? Then congratulations. You've got what it takes to be part of the Voter Apathy Project. You've already demonstrated that you have paid zero attention to the 36 years Joe Biden spent as a United States senator, plus the eight years he spent as vice president of the United States. You've proven that you've not been paying attention to black Americans being killed at a record pace during recent riots and violence in great American cities, plus the usual stuff in Chicago. You've also not been listening as original Black Lives Matter organizers have been leaving the organization publicly, announcing that the movement has been hijacked. And you've also not been paying attention in history class when the conversation of Marxist communism, Marxist socialism has been taught. Because if you had, you would know that not only have more people been killed in the name of Marxism than any other political movement in history, but that it is indeed openly racist, specifically directed at black people. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you said yes to any of those questions, maybe you should go back to eighth grade history class. This has been Tim Tapp reminding you that if you don't care enough to tap into the truth, maybe you should just stay home on Election Day. Hey, late-nighters. Keep up with all things WCET Radio by joining our mailing list. Just go to the bottom of the homepage and fill in the Stay Informed form. Then click the Get Latest News button. You will get everything from guest info and show info and other important station-related information. So sign up now and get a special promo offer just for email subscribers. Late Nighters, make sure you like and follow WCET Radio and all our shows on social media. Just click the channel you want at the top and bottom of our homepage. Then be sure to share with a friend and ask that friend to do the same. And you become the resistance. And boy, oh boy, do we need the resistance now more than ever. Uh, You know, the counterculture, the resistance. Who is it? It's conservatives, ladies and gentlemen. I remember when conservatism was the culture. Uh, Barely. I'm not that old. Uh, Sadly, (laughs) sadly, we are the resistance. We are the counterculture. And uh, there is hope. There is hope. I've seen a lot of reasons to feel positive. Look forward. But ladies and gentlemen, quick reminders. uh, If you have not yet already, uh, if you're a listener to WCET and you haven't become a late-nighter yet, what are you waiting for? All right. Also, want to give quick uh, reminders to the folks that in today's show description, there is indeed a link that will take you directly to Conservative Daily Briefing. And if you are 
listening via podcast, you can look in the show description, and if the link doesn't work, I did put the full link underneath it, so you can just copy and paste it and put it in your web browser. Same thing for the fine folks at My Patriot Supply and for Hero Soap. Uh, it may be too late to get your supply, uh, your four-week food supply, if you were to need it. So I hope you have not waited till now to place that order. But you know what? Better late than never, and maybe maybe if things work out just right, you can get it on its way. So remember, a big part of enjoying individual liberty and individual freedom is being self-reliant. And nobody's been helping you to be self-reliant longer than the original Patriot Supply Country uh, – country company, my Patriot Supply. And uh, with Hero Soap, uh, let me tell you something, guys. They've got some new products on. Uh, if, you've, if it's been a little while since you've checked the website, follow that link. Go check them out again. They've got some great new products. And remember, if America First matters to you, I don't know of a single company out there that's more America First than Hero Soap. Great products, veteran-owned. Everything is sourced from companies inside the United States, and they give back. They contribute to charities that uh, operate for first responders and for our men and women in uniform. And uh, oh yeah, by the way, if you sign up for a sub description, uh, when you get a bar of soap, they send a bar of soap to uh, our fine men and women out there in forward areas. So with all that having been said, let's get back to the business of the show, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, joining me today is Mr. Ken Crow, uh, who I see has popped into the chat room now as well. Hey, Ken, glad to see you. Uh, now you're getting double duty so you can see what everybody's saying <laughs> in the chat room. Uh, Ken, uh, again, thank you so much for being here, and I want to give you another opportunity to remind everybody where they can find the work, You know, conservative daily briefing. And uh, don't forget to plug uh, – Plug the book too. We can still sell some more copies of that. It's been out a little while now, but it's still a great read. And, and maybe somebody needs to replace a, a copy that uh, that they've worn out by reading over and over. Well, <laughs> okay, it is available on Amazon. It's ego in a tea bag. I'm on Twitter at KWR Pro. That's uh, short for Kenneth William Robert Crow, KWR Crow. At, and uh, you can follow me over there, you and the other 29,000 followers. And uh, I do read all my tweets, believe it or not. And I do respond to as many as I possibly can. Um, and conservativedailybriefing.com, we are going to start a new uh what do you call it, a blog or a, pie, a video thing here pretty quick? We'll be starting that too. So uh, yeah, I, conservative I, daily briefing. And, I think and both just of so you all know, I've invited Tim to join me on that. So if you guys would put a bug in his ear, I think we could <laughs> – Tim and I could be the next Hannity and Combs. At any rate <laughs> – <laughs> No, uh, no. All right. Well, obviously, uh, we've we've had some time. We've been talking about uh, the election. We've talked about the campaigns. We've talked about public perception. Uh, I did want to kind of remind folks, though, that earlier you said at this point everybody knows what Joe Biden's mental status is. Unfortunately, that's not really the case. Uh, a lot of Americans are still in that bubble where they only pay attention to the news for a few minutes and out of every day, and they still trust. Uh, the legacy mainstream media sources, 
because that's what they've always listened to. That's what they grew up. In fact, we spent some time on our phone call last week lamenting the fact that uh, we, we don't have uh, anchors anymore like Walter Cronkite, who obviously leaned to the left, but you never knew that until the uh, ending, the winding down of his career when he spent more time in the editorial chair rather than just delivering the news. And that's because he understood what the purpose of journalism was, and that's to inform the populace, not to control what it thinks. And unfortunately, that's where we're at these days. So we, we've talked about that. So a lot of people maybe still don't know. Uh, I think a lot of people got their first real look at Donald Trump at the Republican convention because it was one of the most highly rated Republican conventions in a while. And when they saw people like uh, the business owner, uh, the former Cuban uh, descent uh, down in Florida who stood up and said all these great things about Trump, when they saw Herschel Walker talk about how he's been a friend with Donald Trump since the days of the USFL – when he came in to know him personally and realized that this guy is a great guy and he cares about people genuinely and cares about the country. That was the first notion, the first inkling that any of these people have that maybe the media has been lying to them. So not necessarily everybody knows the shape that uh, Joe Biden's in. But we were also talking about perception back in the first hour, and we had to kind of shift gears because of the uh, hour breakdown. And you had wanted to discuss – uh, a, a conversation you had had with the minister, because what we were talking about was incrementalism and the the normalization of things that are detrimental to our society uh, as a whole. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to go back and, and have that conversation too, because I think it's a pretty important conversation to share too. Well, first of all, I want to thank uh, – I don't know who COG is in your chat room, but thank you so much for the very kind words. I don't know if it's a sir or a ma'am, but uh, I'll just say thank you. It's very kind of you to say that. Um, I, I've done several articles on this over the years, and we wonder why our society is in the shape that it's in. And mean, meaning we, we have guys dressed as girls three quarters naked dancing down the middle of streets and parades and, and kissing. And, and, uh, and we've got guys dressing as women going to the restroom with our 12 year old daughters at target. And, you know, how did we get to this point? I'm not, I'm not picking on gays particular, but, but what I am saying is just the entire moral degradation of our society has has been overwhelming for the last 30 or 40 years. We're, we're doing things today in this country and we've legalized things that, that 50 years ago, 100 years ago, if you asked an American that this would be happening, they would have gone not on your life. Um, it, it's it's our, our morality in this country is disintegrating. And uh, I reference Rush one more time real briefly for 10 seconds, but he made a comment many years ago on the radio. I was driving somewhere, and I listened to it, and he said, if you want to know what's happened in the country, look no further than Roe v. Wade. Because when the government says it's okay to murder babies, then there's no longer any respect for human life at any level. 
when when you can take an innocent, helpless infant and do that to it with no repudiation, and it's legal, and the government said, oh, by the way, here here's money. We're even going to help you pay for it. You 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 reduce the respect level for society. So I had this conversation with this minister, and he said, "What do you think caused all this?" We were sitting in a barber shop, and I said, uh, "You did." <laughs> and of course, his eyes lit up like saucers. He said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, let me tell you what. What's the primary job of a pastor, minister, priest, pope?" is to preach the word of God. End of conversation. And what you guys did by accepting Lyndon Johnson's 501c3 is you no longer give guidance as to who to vote for. There was a time in this country when pastors would stand up before an election and say, okay, this candidate over here, he believes in this which is biblical. It's godly. He believes in this, 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 and this. So I'm going to suggest to you guys, I met with the man. He's a good man, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to suggest that you vote for him next Tuesday. You guys can't do that anymore because you sold out God and the Bible and the nation for tax exemption. And you no longer stand up. And I said, furthermore, go to Wikipedia. Again, I'm not picking on gays, okay? You you are what you are. But when the word of God says this, and you don't endorse that, and you say, no, it's okay for Larry and Steve to get married, which is what nearly all of your mainstream religions have done, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, Methodists, Baptists, they've all done this. You're no longer speaking for God. You wonder why attendance is down in this country. It's because nobody respects what you're saying anymore. Because you're not preaching God. You're preaching political correctness and acceptance of everything. And that simply cannot stand. You destroy the morality the morality base of a nation. And that's what you guys have done. You're even ordaining openly gay priests. All of you are. Again, I'm not picking on gays, but we know what God said about that situation. He even firebombed a city one time over it. Uh, he, he did. Yeah, so, I hadn't had I mean, heard it put quite that way in a little while, Ken. But you are absolutely right. That is exactly what happened. Well, yeah. So yeah. when when you're a minister, I'm not saying go out and beat them and hate them and all. I'm not saying that at all. We're supposed to love everybody, and we're right. supposed to pray for them. But in turn, you do not have to condone the activity. When you're right. a minister, yeah, ultimately and that is what's happened in this country. Ultimately, when Go it ahead. comes to the standpoint of the Christian, uh, when we uh, speak out against the uh, the activity, we're not condemning the person. The whole idea of 
love the sinner, hate the sin is, is the mentality. We we don't – well, I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak in general terms as the philosophy, and I can speak for myself. We don't uh, We don't hate the people regardless, but we do love the Lord and we love the word. Uh, to, to make it feel like we're not just sitting here picking on a group of people, let's turn back around and look at the, the idea and the notion of abortion, which is kind of where we uh, had started that jumping off point because you were talking about Becky uh, trying to make sure she could have a good time at cheerleading camp, had to go have her abortion on demand without her parents knowing about it before she went to camp. Uh, that's not something that would have been allowed just a few short decades ago. It's like the idea that the government should have that kind of uh, power – uh, to allow your child to do something without your parental knowledge is uh, a, a usurpation of parental rights. But the notion here is there is a group of people in this country, most of them tend to have a D at the end of their name, who honestly believe the only power is derived from the state. That's why they don't like people of faith, and that's why they don't like parental rights. That's why they don't like the idea of natural rights. They want you to be dependent on them, and they want you to just say, yes, sir, no, sir, sorry, I didn't jump high enough when you told me to, sir. And that's supposed to be your place. We literally have Democrats. The whole plan, the entire plan that Joe Biden has put out before us is be happy we let you keep any of it, and we're talking about your money. But they don't see it as your money. It's their money. Be happy they let you keep any of it because ultimately they may say we're not raising taxes over anybody who makes less than that. But the numbers don't add up. Just do the math. 50 Cent did the math, and for all of two days, 50 Cent was out there saying uh, I ain't voting for Biden because I don't want to be 20 Cent. Now he didn't have he didn't have the nerve to keep it up. Chelsea Handler comes out and says one of the most racist things that I've heard. I had to remind him he was a black person. No, Chelsea. I know you're trying to be funny. You're supposed to be a comedian. Um, been a while since I've heard you be funny, and and hopefully you're thinking that was a joke. But that's the kind of joke that if I said it, I would be banned from public life forever by your council culture. And you tried to oh, bully absolutely. him and push him down. And I want to give props to Ice Cube while I'm uh, – since I'm talking about uh, – I would have never thought 50 Cent would have backed down so quickly. I want to give full props to Ice Cube for not only standing up but continuing to defend his position and then telling Kamala, no, I'm not going to get on a video call for you because I know that's just a campaign uh, thing for you. Well, I, I tell you, I, when I was in Detroit managing that congressional race, I uh, – uh, called up a friend of mine from Birmingham, Alabama, who founded uh, Frederick Douglass Republicans. His name's Kay Carl Smith. And he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. And uh, we had some long talks about this. And he said that what's happening is is that the black America is finally realizing that they have been held hostage, that they're not Democrats. When, when you look at the family unit and the culture and what they actually stand for, I'm not talking about the street thugs. I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the ones that actually work and have a wife and kids and things like that. They're not Democrats, and they've been sold a bill of goods, and they're realizing that, and they're starting to. And that's why you're seeing the 50 cents come out and the 
I don't know the names of a lot of these guys, like Kim Kardashian's husband, or what's his name? <laughs> yeah, Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, hey, Kanye. Hey, Kanye's running to try and peel off some of those Joe Biden votes from him, so I, I say uh, good job, Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. He is running, isn't he? Yeah. Um, at, at any rate, you know, that's why we're starting to see a lot of this, and uh, and I think it's a good thing, and I think probably one – Two more elections, you may very well see the bulk of the black population come back home to the Republican tent. I really believe that because they're starting to. And, you know, it's like that throw that pebble in that pond and starts out with a little ripple, and pretty soon it covers the whole pond. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to the day that a lot of people uh, realize that they have just been sold a, uh, as you put it, a bill of goods, and as I tend to put it, a, a pretty dream that has a very ugly uh, underneath the veneer. Uh, the truth of socialism, the, the truth of Marxism is everybody's a slave to the state, and the only reason so many people – are pushing it today is because they believe they're going to be part of the bourgeois class. They think that they're far too important to be one of the lowly people. Uh, I've said it before, Ken, and it concerns me. I think way too many uh, people, uh, conservatives read 1984 and were frightened. Uh, leftists read 1984 and thought it was a playbook. And uh, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of that today. Uh, and it doesn't matter. You can look at uh, – you can look at classics like Animal Farm. You can look at classics like uh, 1984. You can even look at Atlas Shrugged. All these things give fair warning of the things we're looking at today. But the scariest part is if you were to change the names and then look at what happened that led to the fall of the Roman Empire, uh, we've been seeing for about a decade the build up there too. We need to wake up, sir, and you are absolutely right about the church being a major part of that. Uh, we need to start building families back at the home, and we need to start standing on basic principles, and we need to understand that as Americans, we have way more in common uh, than we have that divides us and makes us different. And it's only when we embrace those differences and refuse to see past them that we can't stand together and rise above. Uh, we have promises. Well, Go ahead. I, I was just going to reinforce what you were going to say. Look, uh, you're you're a, you're a once again 100% correct. You know, Democrats want clean water. We want clean water. They want clean air. We want clean air. They want freedom and liberty. I'm talking about your average voter. I'm not talking about the superior class that's right. trying to take over everything. You know, we, we do have a lot more in common, and this division in this country needs to stop. You know, we are all Americans. It doesn't matter if you're an R, a D, an I, an L, or whatever, whatever. Uh, we are all Americans, and we need to be taking care of each other. And this is ridiculous what's going on. We, we need to realize who the real enemy is and and go after the real enemy that that's the bottom line and we all love the flag most of us do one of the things that i really has really struck me is something that president trump has put in his recent speeches 
beginning with Sanford, Florida last week. And that's, he said, we're going to start teaching our children patriotism again and a love for the country and a love for the flag. And that really struck me. That really struck me. And I really hope he does that. I hope he forces the Department of Education to implement that sort of stuff back into the curriculum in schools. Because when I was a child, I don't know about you, but when I was a child, every morning, we stood and there was a flag in the corner and we did a pledge of allegiance to the flag. And we uh, had a morning prayer. The principal would come over the intercom system and give a morning prayer. And you don't have any of that today. So these kids today are not being taught fundamental patriotism for the land that they love or supposed to love. And I believe it's crippling in our society along with a lot of other stuff. Go ahead. I apologize for interrupting. Oh, no, that's that's not a problem at all, Ken. Uh, we're going to have to kind of leave things right there because we are running out of time. Uh, for the second sure. broadcast in a row, though, I had intended to discuss uh, Operation Autumn Hope. Uh, because this is one of these things that's uh, just another indicator of uh, the job that is going on at the federal level that uh, is being uh, being uh, spearheaded by a law and order president and a justice department that uh, the parts where they actually go out and try and do what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, we now had Operation Find Our Children that uh, was added on that occurred in Virginia. But we've got the U.S. Marshal's Office out there uh, working hard to try and uh, save endangered children and stop human trafficking. I want to make sure I at least mention that today, and we will uh, we'll get back into that story uh, on the next broadcast. In the meanwhile, I want to thank uh, Mr. Ken Crow for joining us today and being here for pretty much the whole two hours. I want to thank uh, COG, stands for Child of God, one of our great listeners up in uh, Alaska. Uh, Crazy Cajun hanging out with us. And uh, Chief, host of Simple Facts of Life, thank all you guys for being here in the BTR chat room. And remember, whatever else you take from uh, today's program, please don't, don't take my word for not one little bit of it. Be prepared to put in your own effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, guys, please stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, be smart even if that kind of goes against your nature. I'm out for now, but we'll be back again live Tuesday night. In the meanwhile, uh, get out there and vote if you haven't already. And, uh, you know, just like I said, be safe. I'm out.
is using both hands. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.